Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Just going out there trying to perform and trying to make those big plays for the team. You know, I, I don't do this uh, personally. I don't do this just for me. I, I want to go out there winning games. Um, you know, I, I don't like coming home with a loss. Uh, you know, I've never been on a, a losing team. So uh, I'm just, I just want our swagger back. You know, this team is known for having that swagger and to, to win games. And I just want, want that old team back. That is, I'm, I'm going to officially coin Justin Jefferson, silver lining Justin Jefferson is how he will be referred to the rest of the season on this show and on Purple Daily. Silver lining Justin Jefferson talking about wanting that swag back. And we can guarantee that in Randy from Cottage Grove's dud stable today, I guess guarantees a strong word, but I don't think that guy's going to be in it. I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to be in it with three 100-yard games so far this year. But uh, we'll do that on the show today. Um, Patrick Royce will join the show today. And if you missed it yesterday, Judd and Patrick on an episode of Royce Unchained, which is also part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, telling Sid Hartman stories for uh, for over an hour, so go check that out. A quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners since 1904 here in the state of Minnesota and elsewhere. They've also been helping with uh, this pandemic year. In fact, they donated 18,000 N95 respirator masks to Owatonna Hospital and several outdoor blue lights for the Owatonna Clinic building. Federated Insurance employees are donating their time, talent, and financial resources to help our communities. They care about our communities. They're putting community first, and they're also putting your business uh, right up there as well. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Bunch of excited group of guys in there. Um, excited to try to take advantage of a huge opportunity that's uh, presented itself to us. And uh, we've worked for this opportunity. And, and once again, we, um, we want to finish this the right way, our way. And... Uh, We'll see if we're capable of doing that, but we're very confident we're ready to go. You know, obviously their, their pitching staff is what gets talked about a lot, but they got a lot of guys on the offensive side of it that can, you know, make you pay if you make mistakes. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Rosarena, the way he's going right now, swinging the bat really well, um, try to limit him as much as you can. But they got a lot of guys, you know, obviously they try and play the platoon advantage, so they got a lot of guys switching in and out right, left. But, you know, they got a great team. Kevin Kiermeyer and Clayton Kershaw as one of the top payroll teams in baseball faces off against basically the bottom payroll team. Not this year. I think they're like, I think the Rays are like third from last this year. But over the last 20 years, I think they've spent the, the least amount of money on their team. Mackie and Judd 
here on the Score North Network of podcasts. You can also find Purple Daily, Royce Unchained, The Scoop with Doogie, Judd's Hockey Show, and the Score North Twin Show. But, uh, gentlemen, before we get into, uh, we're going to get it. Uh, Jay Williams, our friend, is going to join us from uh, ESPN Radio and ESPN TV. We'll get into a dud stable with our guy Randy. But how into the World Series are you here with this David versus Goliath matchup? Um, I'm pretty in, in, into it. I watched a good portion of both of the LCSs. So I'm very curious here, partially because of this, if you guys recall about three weeks ago or a month ago, my write that down is the Los Angeles Dodgers will win the World Series. Wow, so, so for selfish reasons, oh, you're invested. <laughs> hell yes. Uh, but you know what? The playoffs, I think, aside from the Twins' complete debacle, that was not fun. But aside from that, the playoffs have been fun. So I am for sure going to uh, check in on all games. If a game comes up against a football game, I'll probably flip back and forth. But I will not be ignoring the World Series. That's not fair. I have. Uh, I, I slowly started getting into it towards the end of the LCSs. I had a very much a Twins hangover. Yeah, heartbreak, heartbreak. Hangover. I agree. I did too. Really? Yes. And I lo- like baseball wow. playoffs for me are typically the Zen moment of my <laughs> sports life. Like I, I kind of unplug from the world and I just watch postseason baseball. I love playoff baseball, but I was so sad about the Twins. I literally couldn't do it. See, I, I got a question it. off this just quickly. Yeah. Um. I get being sad about the Twins, but like heartbreak to me indicates that you are a little bit surprised by it. It was it was. it was it was maddening to me, <laughs> but like I, I was almost mad at myself for expecting more because we so often get what we saw, which is which is not a good thing. But heartbreak for me, I was mad, and then I got past it pretty quickly. Okay, so I'm I'm sort of like in between the two, and that heartbreak is not the right word for me personally. I had a hangover. I didn't watch really. I didn't watch a lot of the LDS rounds because I was just so annoyed by the twins. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I expected more. I'm a little surprised that they just can't win a postseason game, even with this offense and the pitching performances they got from their starters. I mean, like we can crack that egg open again. But my hangover was more screw these guys. This is so stupid. Like, are you serious? 18 straight losses. I'm just not going to watch baseball for about 10 days. (laughs) <laughs> but then I, I picked it back up when the LCS series uh, got interesting. And I've been watching every game basically since uh, the teams that were down 3-0 and 3-1 started to show some life. Don't you watch those games, especially the Rays games, and and sort of just project and and think to yourself, where does my team go so wrong? Because, yes. like, the Rays, are, the Rays are, <laughs> are, are impressive, and they're very, very good. But... I think there's justification. If you watch the Dodgers or Yankees succeed, I think there's uh well, that's them, right? Like they're high payroll teams and they're um when you watch the Rays succeed, to me it's a great science experiment in going back and saying, hold on a second. The twins can't do this, they can't score runs, they can't win a game. I'm glad you brought this up. This is a great segue into something I wanted to bring up to both you guys here today. Because I think the biggest question when you watch the Rays play in Game 1 of the World Series tonight, the biggest question is, how do they do this? They don't spend money on their payroll. You could call them cheap. People call the Twins and the Polettes cheap. The way I would frame it up is, with no salary cap structure and without the revenue sharing across the league that other leagues have, like the NBA and the NFL with their big national TV contracts, 
each team in baseball spends within the parameters of the revenue that they bring in. The Rays don't bring in any revenue because nobody watches the games in the stadium and barely anybody watches the games on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's not a New York-sized market. And so they don't bring in any revenue. So therefore, they don't spend very much money on their teams. I think there are lessons to be learned. I don't know exactly what the specifics of those lessons are because so much of it is just behind-the-scenes blueprints and great trades and development. But I dug this up over the past 10 years because people, like, I think the main drum that people have been beating in this town, especially since the Twins moved into Target Field, is the poll ads are cheap. The Twins don't spend enough money to be as competitive as they should be. Even in some cases, the poll ads lied. Well, that's another conversation. But the Twins doubled their payroll from the Metrodome to Target Field and still lost 99 games. So I dug this up. I was just curious. The Rays are an incredible franchise. They overachieve all the time. Over the last 10 years, the Twins have spent $400 million more million on team payroll than the Rays have. Yeah. So over the last 10 seasons, 2011 going forward, the last 10 seasons, the Twins have spent $400 million more, or if you want to frame it differently, almost a half billion dollars more on team payroll than the Rays have. The Rays have never in the history of their franchise had a payroll, an opening day payroll, above $80 million. The Twins have been, for context, over the over those 10 years, the Twins have been over $100 million most of the years and have sort of settled in like at slightly below average payrolls when compared to the league. And over that 10-year stretch where the Twins have spent almost a half billion dollars more on their roster, over that 10-year stretch, the Rays have been to the playoffs more often. They've had more playoff success. They've won multiple series. They've been to the World Series. I'm not even counting the 08 World Series appearance, if you want to loop that in, too. They went to the World Series a second time. And they've won, get this, 100 more regular season games over those 10 years than the Twins. The Rays are averaging 10 more wins per regular season and spending a half billion dollars less over that decade compared to the Twins. So let's go back to when Falvey um, got the job here, though. So let's draw a line there, okay? Because, like, before that, it's like, well, the Twins had a way that clearly worked in the early 2000s, and then that sort of waned. But what's the difference since, say, 2016 or 17 when things changed? Because the Twins definitely have taken pages and been a good team, from the same playbook that the Rays use. They actually hired one of the Rays' yes. top behind-the-scenes pitching gurus. And Baldelli came from there, right? Mm-hmm. I believe he, he was a bench coach or a roving coach of some sort on the big league staff mm-hmm. for Kevin Cash. So they are basically going with the playbook that the Rays go with. They're spending more than the Rays spend. So in the last three or four years, what's the difference in that the Twins get to a certain point? And then... For lack of a better term, the Twins collapse. And some of it's like, some of it you could still chalk up to a little bit of a small sample in that we're talking about like six playoff games in the Falvey and Levine era. Okay, if you've won some playoff games and lost tough series, then I am on Team Phil right there. Then then I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, And I'm not even on Team Phil. I still think it's egregious that they've gone 0-6 in the playoffs under those two Yeah, and they can't score runs. Like, they just get there and they fall apart. What's the difference? Yeah. I mean, and these are like, these are sort of the unanswerable questions that these are just like rhetorical questions and that what, what are they doing that the twins should be doing? Are there things we can glean in this world series that we can pinpoint and say, ah, okay, the twins should be taking a page here. The, the only thing I can really think of 
as I watch these games, because the Twins are definitely analytically minded. That's a criticism you could make five years ago about the Twins, not today. The Twins are sometimes too reliant on analytics because they're pulling pitchers after five you know, clean innings in playoff but games. But the Rays do the same thing? They do. Uh, the Rays are very much like, don't let a guy go third time through the order right. if the stats tell you not to. So it's very much based by the numbers. But the, the biggest thing that stands out to me when I watch the Rays is they just have, at least this year's Rays team, they seem to have more of a bleep you closer mentality as a roster the Twins are just sort of on the defensive and get frustrated. If, you know, after the first inning, they don't drive in a run. It's like we're going to slam our bats and we're going to um, – and maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the, the Rays almost exude this team of destiny attitude. And the Twins exude, oh, my God, we've lost 16, 17, 18 straight postseason games, and the pressure is palpable. Well, that's my sense when I watch the two teams play in the playoffs. The one thing that strikes me um, just across the board about the Rays, and, and it's true if you compare them to the Twins or a lot of teams, is this as well. And I don't know how quantifiable this is as far as like big things go. Defensively, they're unbelievable. Like in the field, they are unbelievable. They get everything. They are they they have a multitude of players that consistently make plays. The, the Polanco ball or. The Polanco misplay on the throw to try and get the force at second, in their world, I don't think happens. But why doesn't it happen? That's I mean that's well I think okay. I don't, I don't think right, it happens either. But, but why I got a theory? Why did it happen? Well, what one, one why I don't know. It, but I got a theory here. Uh, so when the Twins lost the back-to-back games to be ousted by the Astros, Royce had a very astute point about. I don't know if the twin style of home run or bust works. And he basically said flat out, they don't really have enough athletes. They've got a lot of guys who swing from their heels. And when it's going well in June, it's great. But if it goes away in October, you're in big trouble. The Rays do have athletes. The Rays, down to their down to the, the fact that their overweight, out-of-shape first baseman makes every play. Like, that guy makes every single well, play. Why doesn't the Twins overweight out of shape first baseman make every He's play? He's incapable whoa, 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 whoa. of that. He's incapable <laughs> of that. And by the way, uh, bite your tongue because Twitter's about to land on you as soon as this podcast lands on Twitter. I think there are two arguments we can put to bed that we've been fighting with people over in 2020 here. I know where you're going. That Miguel, I thought about this. That Miguel Sano <laughs> is anything other than, like, just a one-tool, you know, just a one-tool guy that's replaceable. And that Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback that you can trust to lead you to the promised land. Like we can put those. Why don't you pack your bags and get out of the Twin Cities right now while you've got a head start? <laughs> Just get. But so no, but negative. could, could that be help it? these teams be better? Could that be part of the thing? Is that when if the Rays struggle in one area of the game, they've got more uh, tools in the toolbox. If the Twins struggle, I don't know that they do. Could that's, that be part of it? Offensively, that's definitely a thing. And it, but I think what the amazing thing, if you want to extrapolate out to the 18 total games and the and the main the main trend across the 0-18 stretch of playoff baseball is that they don't score runs offensively. They haven't scored more than four runs in any of these games. Actually, I take that back. I think they scored five runs in the loss to the Yankees in 04 that clinched the series. So they lost like 6 to 5 in that game. They had like a 5-2 lead or something. But but basically for the entire duration of this stretch, they haven't scored more than 4 runs. And yet the teams that are 
unable to score runs in 2020 mm-hmm. are power teams. One of them last year was the most powerful you know, home run hitting team in baseball history. But then some of the other teams are like the the piranha teams can't score runs. Right. The, you know, the station to station on base teams that don't hit for power. So they've tried it many different ways offensively and they still can't score runs in these games. Yeah. In general, I agree with what you're saying. It's though. just a theory. I'm, it's, it, it, I have no idea if I'm it's right. It's a little bit reminiscent of those Oakland A's teams from the early 2000s, like the real money ball teams that refused to do any sort of small ball tactics, that refused to put a runner in motion or to try and steal a base or to even bunt a guy over. And, I, and I'm not a big bunt a guy over guy, but sometimes when you can't score a run and it's the seventh inning, it's nice to like make something happen. And maybe maybe you bunt and the third baseman bare hands it and throws it into the ble- you know, the seats or something. Sure. Um, though the the early two thousands A's and the current Twins are very much just hoping and waiting for a three run homer by Max Kepler or Nelson Cruz or somebody. Second question: Do, do the Rays just flat out have, have better arms out of the bullpen? And they're in their world at least once you get to the playoffs, there is no Cody Stashek. Uh, well, but see, the Rays are built on Cody Stashek. Yeah, they are. Like the Rays have only Cody Stashek's and Matt Whistler's. And they get people out when they need to. And 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 the Twins, for the most part, like their pitching wasn't a disaster in these two games against the Astros this I agree year. That. Yeah, it is frustrating in a close game where one run can sway it, and you're going to Cody Stashak instead of another inning from Jose Barrios or something. I like, am I, spitballing here big time. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, it's no, hard it's, to figure out. Yeah, but I think I just want to repeat this because it's so when, when I. I was curious this morning. I'm like, yeah, I, feel, I mean, the Twins have definitely spent more money on their payroll than the Rays, and I wonder what the gap is. And the fact that the Rays are averaging ten more wins per season with more postseason success over the last ten years, and spending a half billion dollars less on payroll, it doesn't mean that payroll isn't important. Obviously, if you are the Dodgers, there was a Dodgers team like five years ago that had a hundred million dollars in guys that were watching from home. It was like Carl Crawford. Yep. We're going to pay you twenty five million dollars. To literally couch. go sit on your couch. Yep. Uh, Matt Kemp, we're going to eat $20 million and just trade you to somebody. Because <laughs> you ate too much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and so, like, obviously the luxury is if, if the Twins, instead of a $130 million payroll, had a $230 million payroll, then they could say, all right, this whole uh, Miguel Sano contract isn't really going to work and uh, nobody wants to trade for him, so we're just going to eat it and tell him to go away and sign somebody else for $20 million. So I get the advantage of payroll, but when you see how great the Rays have been, I think the question should shift from why are the Poleds cheap and why don't they spend money to what specifically are the Rays doing yeah. from a development standpoint, from a trading standpoint? How are they able to fleece the Pirates and other teams? Rosarena from the Cardinals. That's another great he's one. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he's like their best hitter in the postseason yeah. so far. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to watch these games. I'm rooting for the Rays. Oh, I can't do that. Why? Because I might write that down. Oh, okay. I want to be right. I want to be right. I don't, you know, I don't care who wins. Although the Dodgers have, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad to watch the Dodgers year after year just like roll out a half, a quarter billion dollar payroll and all these great players and Kershaw just melts down. I want to see, I just want to see Kershaw have a really good start. I actually feel bad for Clayton Kershaw because oh, he's yeah. just so damn good. Well, I mean, he's got and the playoff storyline just has become. Well, what's no one's preventing him from just no, like, shoving I shoving in a postseason game. I'd like to I see don't him feel do bad it for him. Go shove in a postseason game. I'd like to see him do it. The other the other angle here, too, when talking about like the Rays and how to construct a team out of, you know, patchwork and no payroll. 
I wonder how Andrew Friedman feels. So Andrew Friedman is the president of baseball operations for the Dodgers the last three years. And the reason why he is the president of baseball operations for the Dodgers is because he did such a great job helping to build the Rays for like 10 years. Yes. So they brought him over and said, all right, well, if you can do that and win 90 games every year in that division, mind you, with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays spend some money. Mm -hmm. If you can do that every single year and do it with like bubble gum and uh, toothpaste, then what if we gave you $150 million more million per year to spend? What's it like for him to look over and see the thing that only spends $70 million staring him in the face in a World Series? He's probably pretty proud, right? Probably proud, but also like, dang, we should we I think the Dodgers, these guys. I, I think the Dodgers said to him, I think they said, all right, we are sick and tired of uh, paying Matt Kemp and Carl Crawford to go home and make millions, right? Find a way to develop our... System too, and he's done a good job. Like they've got depth now; they didn't used to, so they they would have to go out and spend too much on guys who possibly within a few years were washed up. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun. I um the only thing I don't like is I do not find this new ballpark in Texas attractive. So I don't really like oh, watching games. Awful. It feels very it, cookie cutter. It feels it feels like it's big. It's not, I don't think, but it feels like it's too big. It fe- it feels like you're watching a game played in a shed, which is fitting because it looks like a shed. <laughs> How many people are they putting in the stands for those games? They had 25,000 at that Cowboys-Cardinals game last yeah. night. And they won't close the roof because they're, they're convinced that it's safe to put fans in the stands if they don't close the roof, and so the wind is affecting games. It's super so windy the other night. Sort of interesting. Yeah. Rami hates it, I'm sure. Uh, what hates that fans are in there? No, or? the roof, the roof not the closed. Roof. Oh, by the he way, he wants the roof. So he did his four day tryout. So, so in case you missed our shows last week, so our old friend Rami, Rami tried out for four days last week. They have an afternoon drive host opening on the Score six seventy in Chicago, which like he grew up a Chicago sports fan. This is his dream platform. He even told us when he took the job here because he was in Milwaukee for like twelve years. Like really, there's one other local job that if it ever opened up, I would be interested in, in exploring it. And it's like my childhood radio station, the score in Chicago. And one of the afternoon hosts popped off on Twitter about Maria Taylor's outfit one night and yeah. got fired the next day. Yes. And so Danny Parkins is solo hosting and they're running through like four or five different um, test runs. And Rami's one of them, which is awesome. Like Rami, it's one of the highest profile local jobs in the country. So biggest week of his career, he's trying out for this huge job. Yep. And he and he's and he's working with a guy that he's never worked with before and trying to build the chemistry. And on Friday last week, he pulls the put a roof on a club out of the bag. Oh man. And I and I <laughs> tweeted him when he tweeted that he had gotten the tryout gig. The one thing I, I tweeted was do not say they should put a roof on Wrigley. I said that's the only he the only advice. Congratulations, this is great. And then he proudly says, I did it. He's going for the green and two. I love it. It's a par five, and he there's, and there's water, there's, there's like a hazard, there's bunker, they're, they're going to drive off the deck. He does not care, he's going right <laughs> they're in. They're gonna bounce his butt back to Milwaukee so quickly. I said, Don't suggest a roof on Wrigley, shoot your shot, man. Yeah, man, shoot your shot. You have to. Yeah. This is a terrible And then idea. I think they put a poll out, and it was something like, Do you support Rami Makloff's put a roof on it movement? And 60% of people at the time I looked at the poll said yes. So he had a majority, he had the 60 over 40. That is correct. De- wow. Declan St. Cloud State Math kicking in right there. <laughs> I don't know if there was a third option. Is oh, that a blood okay. pressure? Because it's very Mackey and Judd. To put, but even if there was a third option, the, the, ma- the math would work in 60 Robbie's over favor. 40. It's a blood pressure oh, yeah. count. My blood pressure's high right <laughs> now. Go Huskies. So uh, we're, we're wishing our guy, Rami, the best of luck. Woo!
But they're going to the air. Off the play, fake, and it's intercepted right off the bat by Deion Jones. Empty set on third and nine. And that ball is intercepted at the 40-yard line. Going down to cradle it, A.J. Terrell. That ball hit and intercepted. And Kirk Cousins has thrown three picks in the first half. This time it's Aluakon with his first career interception. Because Case Keenum had him in the mix, right? He was there. NFC Championship. And you just stay with that. You really went out, and, and Coach Zim is my guy. He really went out and got Kirk Cousins as if Kirk Cousins was Aaron Rodgers. I just... 84 mil fully I, I, didn't, I don't get it. I don't get what they look at. Because I would have just stayed with Case, uh, Case Keenum and paid him a few million bucks, and he'd have been happy, and we'd have ran the same stuff that we ran to get us to the NFC Championship game because I did not elevate the quarterback position. It wasn't like I elevated to another level. I just don't get it. That's me giving a standing ovation to Keyshawn Johnson there from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, which you can find here in the Twin Cities on Score North Radio, AM 1500 from 5 to 9 a.m. Your co-host, uh, J. Will, Pretty much echoing everything we've been complaining about the last, I don't know, 48 hours or so regarding the Vikings and their quarterback. Yeah, guys, you know, I'm sorry if I sound slurred. I'm coming off a tooth extraction here yesterday, so uh, oh. it, it, might, it might be the med speaking uh, from the from the gut. But uh, Well, that's okay. You know, I, I, I hear what Key says. I, I really do, and I, I know now it makes sense. But, guys, we can know it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. I mean, it's easy to sit up there and say, this is what Zimmer should have done, and I don't know why they're paying this guy. And I'm, I'm not saying it's panned out. Obviously, if you can look back on the situation, you wonder how Case Keenum would have been. But, you know, still, if you lose some of your top-tier targets, is Case Keenum all of a sudden just the answer now? Like, he, Case Keenum makes all the problems for Minnesota go away. That's what you're telling me in the vacuum? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So, Jay, I agree completely. And, and when they signed originally uh, Kirk in March of 2018, I believe, the three-year contract, I was on board completely at that time. Where I have a problem is not that contract. It's the two-year, $66 million extension that he got last March. That's where I, I think they've compounded the problem because they shot their shot. That's absolutely fine. But two years in with Kirk, you sort of saw exactly what what you had in him. So where I have more of a problem is the fact that they gave him the extension and now to a large degree, they're sort of stuck again. Yeah. That, I mean, look, the, the, the extension aspect of it makes sense, guys. I, I completely get you on that. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not a general manager for a team. Obviously, I, I don't think I would have, you see so many quarterbacks these days doing shorter contracts. And my thing is like, look, if you have to be a ruthless GM on a team, then you have to understand what it is. And if you don't want to commit long-term, then don't commit long-term. So I, I would agree with you that the extension was probably not in the best-case scenario. And, and, you know, like now, I mean, but the answer is now, do you try to get him on a trade market? Do you try to look for somebody else? What do you guys want to do? Yeah, I think I have a, I have a lot of takes on this. I, I think first and foremost, um, I think you it's going to be hard to convince somebody else while he's playing like this Hey, this is your this is your franchise, Corey. He can take you to the promised land. Just give us a seventh round pick or something. But I think you probably have to call as many teams as possible. Um, but I think I believe in uh, in the theory of sunk costs, Jay Williams. In that you've like, the money's already guaranteed. If you don't think he's good enough to get your team to where it needs to be, or if you're about to enter some sort of a retooling phase, 
We're looking at one of the best quarterback drafts that we've seen in years in the NFL. The Vikings are going to be drafting probably near the top five somewhere, even if they win a couple more games. So I would just like, if, if that's the most important position in professional sports, and there's a bunch of good young players I can look at drafting, I start there. I I look for a solution in the draft, and then I figure out what to do with Kirk Cousins afterwards. Because I don't think you can do it the other way around and say, well, we're already paying him, and he's not that good, so... Let's draft a defensive tackle to make our defense better. Like, no, if you don't think he's good enough, go get a quarterback. Now, let me ask you this. If the, if the Jets continue to go in the direction they're going, uh, you know, who knows if they're committed to Sam Darnold or not? I mean, that's that's a question around New York with Adam Gase, and I'm sure Adam Gase won't be there for too much longer uh, as Joe Douglas and, you know, the president of the team kind of works through all these scenarios with how bad of a team they are, worst team in football right now. Um, but would that be a scenario where would you guys be waiting to trade assets in order to get Trevor Lawrence? Because I mean, it, it looks like that's it looks like that's going to happen eventually if the Jets continue on this trajectory. One thousand and one percent, J. Will. Yes, I I would. This is a franchise that that has not had a a quote unquote true franchise QB since Francis Tarkington. Who retired mm. after the 1978 season? Now, now Culpepper, mm. Culpepper flirted with with that, but unfortunately, his knee blew up. So, um, if I am the Vikings, and, and I'm going to be as bad as it looks like they are possibly tracking to be, and let's say I'm going to pick because the Jets are so bad. Let's say I'm going to pick third or fourth. I do everything in my power, and it's going to cost me, but I don't care because guess what? If I answer the question that you just broached, franchise quarterback. And I find that guy, I could be taken care of in the most important position, I believe, in sports for eight to ten years. I'll tell you this. Dan Orlovsky told us a story this week. And, you know, I haven't got a chance to be around the Clemson organization. But, I've, you know, Trevor and I are friends via social media. Uh, but, you know, it's one thing for me to think as a point guard, right? I am not, I'm not a quarterback. Dan Orlovsky is a quarterback. His whole life he's had to think like a quarterback. And... Obviously, when you see Trevor, you see the physical attributes, right? Like the kid has a, a rifle of an arm. I mean, it just his footwork in the pocket is amazing. And but you know, Dan was like, "Hey, look, you know, let me take it another level." Obviously, he has all the physical tools; like they're all there. But you know, when you actually talk to him about you know what the difference was between this year and last year, he said last year I was able to get by on my athletic ability. I wasn't settling in the pocket. I wasn't going through all, all my progressions correctly. You know, I, at times I would just—I was able to utilize my feet to get out of situations, and it eventually caught up to me. And Dan kept saying about you know somebody at his age to be able to talk that way about what you see in your own game and what you need to continue to evolve in and work on as you continue to grow towards the next level is stuff that you just don't see. And my thing is, every time I hear him talk, every time I watch him play, obviously I know there's a lot of pressure. Um, I, I know that he is the guy that is. The guy every single week, and I know it's just against Georgia Tech last week, but watching that, man, throwing from 400-plus yards, just watching this guy, yeah. it's like I, I don't see how you cannot try to give everything you need to get that guy on your team. Totally. I agree. really don't. 100%. Like just, and, then, and then if it causes problems because, oh, my God, we're, we're already paying a quarterback $30 million, whatever, like that contract will ride out one way or the other. Just fix the first problem and then deal with the rest. Uh, Jay, Jay Will, since we've since we've got you here, hopped up on painkillers, and you're probably <laughs> you're probably a little bit loopy right now. Uh, we had your colleague Bobby Marks on the show last week, just for like 15 minutes of straight Timberwolves offseason speculation. 
We'd love mm-hmm. to run a couple things by you in the reckless speculation bin for you to yeah. either uh, shoot down or tell us we're onto something. Reckless speculation. And uh, in mind, be, because because you're, you're on painkillers, nothing you say in this segment will be held against you. Okay. Okay. Until I see it on the internet the next day. Perfect. That's, yeah. Until the aggregators pick it up. That is correct. correct. <laughs> the big lead dot com. Hey, we can't control them. <laughs> we can only control ourselves. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. All right, here here's the first one. So he floated out, not not a guy that you would necessarily trade the number one overall pick for, but the Wolves have a second first round pick as well, and Victor Oladipo could be a buy low candidate as he tries to get as healthy as possible uh, and re- and further removed from surgery. Your thoughts on Victor Oladipo? So what do you what what would you what would you have to give up? Is it just give up the second round pick and another? Aspect? Let's say it was the. The seventeenth overall pick, and maybe like another, another like rotation, young rotation guy, Josh Akogi or something. Josh Akogi, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like, I, I like that pickup. Uh, depending upon the value, I, I, I think, you know, Victor felt some type of way this year coming back early, uh, which he did in the bubble. I don't, th- I didn't think he should have came back. Um, he, he didn't look like his full self, but, you know. <sighs> It's just the injury history, like that, 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 and I hate that because I think he is very talented. I just think that that kind of that's always going to be a question that you have to think about long term value for a guy like that, uh, considering the size of the contract he's going to get. Okay, yeah, it's, it's intriguing. I, if he can even get back to like eighty five percent of what he was when he peaked a couple of years ago, that would be that would Agreed. be kind of fun. That'd be a good piece. Yes, I agree. Okay, how about this one? Reckless speculation. This is one that we threw out to Bobby Marks, and he instantly said, yes, they should do that. He cut you off. He cut me off as I was delivering it. So, all right, the Timberwolves have the first overall pick. The Atlanta Hawks have the sixth overall pick. They've got a good young core. They might be interested in moving up if they uh, – who's the number – who's the kid that might go number one that's actually from the Atlanta area? Edwards. Uh, Edwards, all right? Anthony Edwards, yeah. So – you swap the first and the sixth. You get you give Atlanta their shot at Anthony Edwards, number one overall, and they send over a guy who's going to be a restricted free agent in a year in John Collins to the Timberwolves. Your thoughts? Wow. I mean, my thoughts are Minnesota. If you guys are able to pull that one off, you do that quick, and you as soon as they sign the contract, you you, you book it, and then you rip the sheet up, and you never let them renege on it because <laughs> I think I, I think if Atlanta were to give up John Collins, I think that would be absurd. I uh, just because I look and I understand Anthony Edwards for them home hometown guy that they were like, but Jonathan Collins when he's playing right, like kind of unlocks Trey Young as well, right? Because they are they are essentially what you guys have in Minnesota between D'Lo and Cat, like they are a pick and pop dream scenario. So I don't know if I give up John Collins if I'm Atlanta. But if you're able to pull that one off, yes, you would. T- I, w- I would take that deal if I were Minnesota in a heartbeat. And Bobby even said, forget about swapping picks; just give them the pick for John Collins, and or get you know get some other asset. Um, I mean, if they were willing to do that. I mean, praise the Lord to you. I would take that in heartbeat. <laughs> Sign it. All right, and then uh, and this one's more of just open ended. If you had to, let's say there were no trades, like ever, ever the, the you know the, the players that you want, like the John Collins types or Ben Simmons, they're just not available. And you and you're drafting number one overall. Which player, from what you've seen so far, fits best with D'Angelo and Cat? If you had to draft number one, I, 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 it's hard for me to go against Anthony Edwards, man. 
it, it, it really is just because I think that, you know, I, you know, obviously Jared Culver, you guys have some pieces there. Right. Um, but I, I just watching him play, it just it was what he can be defensively. And I, I keep saying it. He reminds me of a Wiggins just a little bit more. He's kind of like what Andrew, what Wiggins is now defensively, right? It's, but offensively is more in attack mode all the time, right? Like there's not that laissez-faire, <laughs> hey, like uh, at times I'm here, at other times I'm on the beach, you know, uh, smoking something that gets me to ecstasy points. Uh, relaxing, uh, you know. It's, Keep going. Well, this is far more intriguing, you know, Jay. Will you know? It, well, you, now this is the Mets talking. You guys put me in this position. This is what happens. It's true. So I just feel like Anthony Edwards would be that. Just because, you know. Look, we we got into this conversation before, guys. Like, I just think that sometimes he can, if, depending upon how leadership is. Anthony Edwards seems to me like he is that guy who is just a dog. Right now, he needs somebody to help him harness that. And I think if Cat and D'Lo can be those young type of leaders and do that, I think he can fit into that rotation extremely well. Like I, I personally go with Anthony Edwards. Reckless speculation. That wasn't that reckless, but also no. But hold, <laughs> hold on a second. Let's go back to to Wiggs, man. Uh, I gotta ask you, as a guy who played professionally and and was very very good in college. How crazy does it drive you to watch a guy with that much talent play like he does, which is, as you said very well, at at the very best, inconsistent, not applying himself? So this doesn't, I think one of the things that's really helped me, guys, and, and this is the way I look at all sports in general, right? When I When I was coming up, when I played, like my first year in the league, I was like, oh, okay, like not every, like everybody, maybe like people have the tools, right? But like, who are people? Who are you? And is that, are, do you have that in you to continue to like push yourself? Because people outside can push you all you want. never really you have to push yourself. So, and then with the accident, I found a different layer of how hard I had to work in order to get back. Like coming back after being a second pick and then going to the, the D League, that was humbling, right? And to see how hard we worked in the D League and recognizing that. So then when I started calling college basketball at a lower level, like I started paying attention to, okay, like who actually has a mentality that can stick? Yeah, this person could be a top-tier talent, but can his mentality surpass that talent? right, and take his talent to another level. That's what you need when you're going to be that next caliber of NBA superstar. I never questioned Andrew Wiggins' talent when he was at camp. I never questioned it at all. The, the biggest question I always had about him from the beginning was the mindset. Like, did he have that extra oomph in him to get himself over that hump? And I'm not saying he can't do that, but I just I never expected Andrew Wiggins to be that. Cause he showed me that from day one. From day one from watching him, guys, from day one. So I don't think I ever came into it saying, hey, I expect Wiggins to be this guy. Is he going to get paid that type of money? Yes, because his athletic ability tells you that. And you do need to pay guys. You need guys to be pieces of your franchise. But did I expect him to have that Jimmy Butler mentality? No, I never really expected that. So I don't think I ever got frustrated because I always think I knew who Andrew Wiggins is. Now, he may be on the right team this year with Golden State. That He's that perfect fit. Right, because 
Steph, Clay, Dre, they have that dog mentality. He can be underneath that umbrella to a degree, right? But he's not going to be your lead. He's not going to be a lead dog. Um, so I don't think I ever got disappointed, to be real with you guys. Yeah. Hey, which which tooth got extracted? Uh, it was the back left molar. It oh. was. Uh, it look. It, it looks like a dragon tooth. I've never seen anything like this before in my life, and I uh, I'm struggling right now. I'm slobbering and drooling while I talk oh. to you guys. Did they Did they let you keep it? Are you gonna turn it into a necklace or something? Uh, you know what? Somebody else said that to me. I've never thought about keeping things that have been. I, no. I, is, that, <laughs> is that weird? Should I should I have kept it? Uh, no, no, no. I don't know, Judd got his spleen removed one no. time and turned it into a belt buckle. No, you're right. No, what? don't keep. No, no, he's kidding. Judd, don't. Really? No, no, I did not. And you know what? You're right. If, if it's extracted from right you, now, Judd, I'm delirious. If it was taken from you, it's theirs now. They can toss it. You're right. Don't keep it. I'm glad you didn't. Oh man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Jay. Will. Well, Jay, right, uh, go enjoy some some more painkillers, and we'll talk again soon. I look forward to reading the big lead tomorrow, guys. Thanks. It'll be great. You'll be all over it. All right. See ya. It's uh, Jay Williams from Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin, which you can find on uh, Sports Radio every morning. What a trooper. Yeah, you could tell he was was definitely had some numbness there. Just kind of slurring his words. I was telling him off, Mike, I'd rather go to the doctor. I can't stand the dentist. I can't stand it. A lot of pain involved at yeah. the dentist. I, I don't like the dentist either, but give me the dentist over the doctor. Because like, the doctor can tell you you're going to die. In yeah. any That's fine. It's better than Declan. someone messing around in my mouth. Declan, man, you're fatalistic for a 27-year-old. Yeah, you, you should see yeah. my history. Yeah. yeah, okay, Doc. Thanks a lot. See ya. How long again? Six months? Sounds cool. good. Uh, uh, this is Mike Zimmer on the Vikings getting beat by a winless Falcons team. We turn the ball over the three times in the first half. You know, we don't ever allow the offense to keep the ball, whether it's because of us or uh offensively or it's because of us defensively and so the time of position get possession gets out of control and then you get to a point where the running game is is uh diminished i think we had 10 runs in the first half but we had 24 plays you know they end up with 80 plays for the game so i you know there's a lot of things like that that uh you know really didn't give us an opportunity to win the game all right we got our guy here randy in cottage grove how are you coping with a bad loss by the Vikings? Uh, not good. Uh, you know, what? What? There's not much. Not a whole lot. Whole else lot to say. Um, it, you know, it's. Uh, I'm not a, a, a practitioner, but some people who do the Zen say it, uh, it, it is what it is. Kelly Campbell. <laughs> he did. Yes. It is. Former Vikings. It, it is what it is. That's that, but uh, you know, the only way I can improve is to put in my work and do do what it is that I do to try to try to offer a little bit of a analysis and and and, and hope and and try to see the way forward for uh, for this team because it is a talented group. It really is a talented group. They've just had some mishaps, and uh, I said on I said the other day I'm not going to watch. The all twenty two this week. Uh, well, I lied. I, I I broke down and I did watch it three wow. times. Three times. Three times. Three trips to the all twenty two, which oh. is more than more than normal. And uh, that's what it took for me to really zero in on this dud stable. Um, so if you can do the music, I'll get on with it. Sure. All right. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. We'll fire it up. This is Randy and Cottage Grove's dud stable. This is. 
dud stable. Unfortunately, another dud stable. That's been five now. For well, four because I did the stud stable last week to try to pump them up. It really worked it's, well. You surprised it us with that move. Work. Here it is now: the dud stable against the Atlanta Falcons. This guy in way over his head, and he's a bozo, and he and he and he costs us the whole game, and he's he's a he's a schmo. Kirk Cousins, you don't belong anymore on any roster, certainly not on ours, because this is an elite elite sort of roster. And Kirk Cousins, you are dud. Wow. Started off strong. I look forward to the rest. Randy, uh Randy there? Randy? That's the that's it. That's the That's whole it. That's it? Well, one. That's the whole. That's the whole Dutch stable. You watched the all twenty-two three times to give us that. I've never been more proud of Randy. Randy and I, we haven't seen eye to eye in everything over the years, but I've never been more proud of Randy. Why'd you watch it three times? You could have come to that conclusion. I, yes. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys, you Dantzler, some of these young guys, they're they're cutting their teeth. They're, they're, Zim is molding the clay of those guys, but but but, but Kirk. What's his excuse? He's making you know most money of any guy, anyone in the team, and he and he plays like a bozo, like an absolute clown. So Kirk, take a hike. That's what I gotta say. You gotta take a hike. And 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 uh, you know I, I want to say to Rick, Rick, your job, your ass is on the line. You know you're gonna get canned if you don't figure out a way to cut this guy loose in a hurry. And a lot of people say, oh, the first day after the season, we can cut them loose. Uh uh-uh. uh. We got to get more creative than that. And I think I figured it out oh. how to, how to, how to, you know, make a change horses in the midstream and salvage this season. Have you what? seen the, 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 the reckless speculation? We, we can still make the playoffs. They're absolutely can still make the playoffs. And, uh, the number one way we're going to do that is to, to, to eject this uh, this turd from the QB position fast. That's one way to put it. And here's how it's going to go. <laughs> wow. I'm going to get on the horn, and you're going to go ahead and give a give a call down to uh, the Midway, Chicago. You're going to say, oh, see, so you guys got uh, got big big Nick in the saddle. Big, he's got a nickname I, I can't say, but Big Nick is in the saddle. He, yes, he uh, yes, we, yes. Yeah. It, it, he's he's now got got the he's got the ropes down there. There's a guy who's behind him who I, I kind of like the look of, and that's Mitchell Trubisky. Whoa! I, I would absolutely take take Trubisky on a flyer. They call it like a flyer, like just take a take a shot and see what he's got in the tank. He, he's got he can run, he can scramble. He's young, he's a, he's he's cheap, and then you then you go to Kirk and you go, okay, you don't have Sean Manning Manningan breathing down your neck anymore. You got you got Turbo Mitchell Turbisky, or better yet, here's a guy who's already available, and I've always had my eye on him. It's Kyle Slaughter. Kyle, I know you're listening. You 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 you, you, st- you still got? Excuse me. Nothing. Sorry, you interrupted him. It's just uh, you, uh, you've you've still got a cannon, Kyle. You've got a hose, and you can run a little bit, and you know you're better than Kirk. I I I I've, I've seen it in your eyes. You got hosed when they gave him all that cash. 
you would have played for a fraction of that scratch. Well, Kyle, come on up here. And Rick, if you're listening, he'll play. I've, I've talked to him. He'll play. So go ahead and go ahead. Well, I haven't talked to him directly, but I, I, I can see it in his eyes. Listen, I I hate to poke holes here because I think we're all desperate for something better at the quarterback position. Those are position. two good solutions. Those are good solutions. I don't think Kyle Slaughter's even on a practice squad right now, is yeah. he? I think he's taking victory shots with you at somewhere. I don't even know where he's playing football right now. 32 NFL scouting departments have said, eh. Do you feel okay, Randy? Yeah, Mitch Trubisky. Would, would, would you, would like, you are you feeling okay? Kyle... Would you rather have Kyle Slaughter on a on a on a on a minimum deal, or or this bozo sucking down forty mil? Okay, honestly, I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky. I'm not gonna lie, I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky on a I cheaper don't contract. Think so we're I, finding I am in good answer here, Randy. Here, I don't think we're finding. I, I like I like the conversation, but I think it's gone to a place, a very dark place. Also, Randy, no, I, this is all realistic. I think Randy's showing, too, uh, just like how far we can go with our quarterback beer goggles here in the state of Minnesota. When we can Randy, look over at Mitchell Trubisky and be like, hmm, they're one looking and five. good. You're upset. We all understand that. You're probably still drunk from Sunday, and that's okay. Well, I will say, Jeff, the number one thing is if you don't if you don't keep a buzz going, it, then that's when it really hurts. You keep, If you Uh-oh. keep it rolling, it, you never have a problem. problem Are you saying that you've, you've had a buzz for 48 hours? Give or take, more or less, yeah. Oof. I mean, look, I'm on furlough. I got, you know, I, 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 I got nothing. You know, we're going to crack one here soon. What is it, 11, 11 a.m. or whatever? I don't know. We're going to crack one soon. And, uh, and, and, and I'll keep workshopping trade, which is more than I can say for, for, for Rick. So, Rick, find a way to get rid of his ass. He's making too much cash. You could, you could bolster a lot of different positions with that money. You you trade his ass. Don't wait till the last day of the season, Rick. Start to workshop a little bit. Okay, start to start to get creative. Get under the hood. Call about Turbo Trubisky. Call, call uh, uh, see what Schroeder's up to. Give it to the guy from Washington, third stringer. Leachy's got a pulse. You know this guy is a, a joker. Look how he smiles. Nobody smiles like that. <laughs> it's a strange smile. I don't smile like that. You know, if, if I if I saw a gal smiling at me like that uh, at at the tavern, I'd, I'd walk the other way. It's fake. It's a fake <laughs> smile. He's a fake QB, and, 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 and it's a fake season. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Reckless speculation. Hey, you held him to 20 points, man. Yes, you sir. gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? <laughs> You think you like football? John Madden doesn't just like football. He loves football. Have you ever seen a defensive back with a good personality was any good? Defensive backs usually don't have nice personalities. And linebackers don't either. I mean, linebacker, you know, they're all half goofy. You know, they got their eyes, you know, staring and looking and crossed. Now, the nice guys are like this guy here, Jason Garrett. Third quarterback, wears a cap, went to Princeton. These guys like this guy here, Charles Haley. Nope. No. Football! Football! Yeah! Yeah! Gentlemen, let's go around the NFL. We normally uh, ordinarily do this on Mondays. Things we learned on NFL Sunday, but we were so packed yesterday with our Sid tribute and everything. Uh, we got a chance to watch two extra games and fill our brains with things yep. we learned around the NFL. So, Judd Zolgad, let's make a quick tour around here. You All start right. us off. I will start where you, you just left off, Phil Mackey, with Monday. Number one, 
I love the Monday doubleheader. All right? Let's get rid of the Thursday game. I saw this suggested by a few folks on Twitter. I agree. Let's get rid of the Thursday night game. Let's play two on Mondays. I absolutely, or or one on Monday and one on Tuesday. The second thing is, how were we all, and this starts with me, so wrong. And I know that Dak Prescott's hurt now, and that certainly mm-hmm. takes away from them. But my God, was I wrong about Dallas. Like, they didn't start off great. Yeah. They didn't start yeah. off great. They started off poorly. Dak got hurt. And last night, listen, those are my Cardinals, okay? I'm proud of them. <laughs> I love my Cardinals. They might even be back in my top ten. Who knows? Maybe they will. Uh, but you'll got to wait to find that out. But nonetheless, like, what happened? Mike McCarthy, this is awful. This is te- Your defense is atrocious. This is off the. I I thought that Mike told our guy Pelissero that he spent last year like in a shed trying to learn more about football and himself and self discovery. This is your self discovery. You're still fat and your team sucks. I feel like he's even bigger. And not to make fun of a man's well, and appearance, I'm a, and right, I'm but... big myself these days. But nonetheless, <laughs> those are my two observations. But the Monday doubleheader or Monday Tuesday over Thursday. I can get on board with either one of those. Really enjoyed it. Football. For the record, I think I think just have primetime games on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Just do it that way. All right. I think you can spread the love between the networks however you want to. Uh, Declan, what's what's something you learned? Uh, classic Cleveland Browns talking smack at the Pittsburgh Steelers going <laughs> to get their face kicked in. That was uh, pretty awesome. I absolutely loved that. Um, and Baker Mayfield was apparently pretty banged up going into the game. But classic Cleveland. We're going to do this Everyone's banged up. for Miles Garrett after what happened last week. Yeah, Miles Garrett, the same guy who, uh, what, swung a helmet on someone's head? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. deserve sympathy. Congrats. Congrats Although, for uh, sticking up for your guy and getting blown out in Pittsburgh for like the bajillionth time. If it is true that the Steelers' backup quarterback said the N-word to Miles Garrett, then um, of course I, I, I don't feel like then I then I think Miles Garrett's a little bit more justified in what he did, but that's a conversation it's, from last year. And it's just classic Cleveland Browns. Yeah, just shut up and be relevant once in twenty five years. He's so right. Cleveland D- Browns. Declan is so right. Like we're good now. We're coming for you, Pittsburgh. No, shut like, up. Get off my sh- my sleeve. Yeah, yeah. You haven't done anything. You're lit. Football. Yeah. Okay, I learned. That in a league, and we see it here in Minnesota, in a league where coaches are mostly clueless about end game strategy and timeout management oh, and clock you. management, Mike Vrabel <laughs> is next level. Did you guys see this? So they're playing the Texans in a back and forth game, a shootout. It took me three times watching this to understand yeah, exactly what he was time. doing, yes. which speaks to my smarts. So I will. I'm going to try and unpack this as simply as I can. And if I'm missing something, jump in here, okay? But this is a back and forth game. These teams, at this point in the game, the Texans are leading thirty to twenty nine, and neither team can stop the other late in this game. So the Texans are driving. They've got the ball nearing the red zone. Again, leading by one point. There's three minutes and 28 seconds left. And Tennessee does have three timeouts, but it's second down and one. And so Houston's essentially not only trying to wind the clock all the way down and maybe just win the game without giving the ball back, but uh, but you know scoring a touchdown with like 30 seconds left would pretty much ice the game, right? So Mike Vrabel sends an extra defender onto the field on second and one from like the 22-yard line. <laughs> The defender gets kind of confused. I can't remember if he sent him out there or if there was just like already 12 guys out there. 
But the defense, the extra defensive back looks over like, oh my God, we have 12 guys on the field. And Vrabel says, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. It's a great piece of footage. He tells the guy to hang on for a second. And then, once the referee comes over within earshot, starts making a huge deal of, get out the field, get out the field, get out the field, to show like, oh, we have, we have a 12th guy on the field, five-yard penalty. And you might think, well, why would you want to do that? Well, the Texans are going to pick, it's second down and one. The Texans are going to pick up a first down anyways, and then they're going to run a first down play. And if, if and, and so the extra play is either an extra timeout or maybe multiple extra timeouts. They want to just get on with it quicker. Just get the first down quicker yeah. so that you can get on with either scoring a touchdown or us stopping you. And then we can save either a timeout or 40 seconds on the play clock. Well, guess what? They scored a touchdown later on with four seconds left to win the game. Um, or to tie the game or whatever they and send, and send, send it to overtime. Yeah, but still. So I'm yes. kind of butchering this explanation, but he thought enough that if we take the five-yard penalty here, then we don't have to waste time like them picking up a first down and then it's first down and now we have to burn another timeout. It was genius and all coaches should think like this. And I, I think I saw a tweet that he had actually done it a year ago as well. Something like that. That's what I yeah. love it. But yes. it took me, I swear to God, I had to watch that mm-hmm. three times yeah, to be like, while. Oh, oh, that's really smart. Yes. So, Mike Vrabel, you're a genius. Let's go one more time around the room. Other things you learned. I learned that the Green Bay Packers, after opening at 4-0 against teams that were a combined 5-14 and and then playing the not great but much uh, better than the rest of the competition, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and losing 38-10 to might not be as good as we originally thought. The Packers are still, they are still a good team. Uh, I I don't know. I would guess that they're the best team in the division. Although the Bears right now are what five and zero or above them uh, five and one five and one. But nonetheless, uh, the first four opponents of the Packers going into their bye being five and fourteen definitely is a semi reflection of who the Packers are because they got the Buccaneers down what ten rip or something like that, and then Rodgers throws the pick six. Green Bay Packers, we might we might want to dial it back a bit as far as how good they are. I heard a nugget yesterday in just kind of listening to all the NFL reaction. I think it was on Cowherd's show, and they had dug up that Aaron Rodgers in his career is under 500 when trailing at any point in a game. Like interesting, three nothing like at any point in a wow. game, he's under 500. And then you look at other quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes. And they're winning like sixty-five or seventy percent of games that they trail at any point, Doesn't and matter. are and are also like coming back from down twenty points in playoff games and stuff. And so it's it is kind of like don't get me wrong. I'll take Aaron Rodgers over anything the Vikings have had since Brett Favre was here. But and I would take Aaron Rodgers if the Packers got sick of him in a year or two from now. But there is a certain pouty quality about him that like things start going wrong, and he loves to like throw his arms up and roll his eyes, and like he's not. He's not the guy that's going to dig in like Tom Brady and bring you back from down 14 points. So that was very evident in and that game. And a pick six from him is rare. So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying we might want to slow the Packer hype train down just a bit. Okay. Football. Jimmy Garoppolo, not done yet. That dude carved up the Rams on Sunday night. And the Rams have a pretty good defense this year through the first four or five games. He absolutely went off. I, I, I thought that experiment was done. They pulled him a week ago. And Jimmy Garoppolo comes back in and slays a very good Rams team. So Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, let's not completely bail on it yet. I do agree that there's some there's some misconception with Kyle Shanahan and who he truly wants at quarterback, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not completely cooked yet. We're so, so from this point forward, Vikings fans, 
rooting for a Jimmy Garoppolo meltdown. Yes. Right? And rooting for a Kirk Cousins slight resurgence. Yes. But not enough to make you feel like that's what's tricky. That if Kirk keeps playing like this, there's no way you can trade him. Like no one's gonna take you want that Kirk contract. To improve Garoppolo to be awful and the Jets to keep Adam Gase. Yeah. Those are all very accurate things. Football. All right, final thing here, just back to the Browns for a second. <laughs> it might be Case Keenum time here Woo! real soon in Cleveland. Yeah, this is concerning if you're a Browns fan. Baker Mayfield. Well, it's our it's concerning that Baker Mayfield's your quarterback too. He's he's no, not, that's not no, that's what I'm saying. Are you saying it's concerning that Case Keenum might come in or that I'm concerned I'm saying it's concerning if you're a Browns fan that Baker Mayfield might not be good. I don't even think it's might anymore, honestly. Like he's a he's a he's immature. He's also just like he does a lot of ads. They're really, really great ads. Good for I him. mean, I enjoy the progressive ads so much. <laughs> God. He's just like there's something about him too. He he he's small coming into the league, but then you watch him on an NFL field and it's like is he like four feet tall? You know who they need? Stefanski needs? Kirk Cousins. I don't think Stefanski would go down that path again, do you? <laughs> Could we convince him? It's worth the phone call. That's yes. that's the new slogan. It's worth the phone call <laughs> if you're the Minnesota Vikings. But Case Keenum did come into that game, and part of it was like, oh, it's a blowout, and Baker's ribs hurt. Yeah, mm. that's how it starts. But uh, Case Keenum was pretty bad in that game. He went 5 of 10 for 46 yards and had a uh, a QBR of 23 on a 1 to 100 scale. But wow. there's a good chance that Kevin Stefanski at some point could say, listen, our team is good enough to make the playoffs, and Baker Mayfield is garbage, and at least Case Keenum is a guy who's proven to be able to drive a car in the direction of 13 and 3 with the Vikings. So those are the things we learned in the NFL this week. Come on! All right, Patrick Royce joins us uh, three days a week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on the show. You can also find his podcast, Royce Unchained, with Judd on Mondays. Yesterday was a a 60-minute deep dive into remembering Sid Hartman. Do you have any remaining Sid stories that you haven't told in the last two days? Well, uh, no, because I was on like, Four radio shows, including Mad Dog. I saw that. Wow. You were on with the dog. I was on with the dog who I was relieved to know barely knew of Sid's existence. So when I told him some things about this guy, he was wow. You know, really? Because I told him about the Aeroparsage and Scoop and stuff. I never knew that. You know, that he's, uh, he's, he's got the ability to. He's got the ability to stay on, doesn't he? He, he, he stays up. Oh, it never know. goes off. And his delivery never goes up. No. no but I, I, he did get a kick out of the fact that I said he would have been a perfect New Yorker because if there was one pretzel left in the cart on the street corner, Sid would have gotten it. He would have pushed <laughs> all you New Yorkers. He would have pushed you all out of the way, you New Yorkers. So anyway, yeah, I'm pretty well done with that. Although I uh, did have a great chat last night about for about 50 minutes and uh, got a little leftover material from that one. So, anyway. Good. So, but, yeah, I think we can talk about the World Series. Do our Rays have a chance against the mighty Dodgers? I don't think they do. So, Pat, I'm glad you brought this up. We started the show today, and I, I woke up this morning and, you know, hey, World Series starts tonight, and – What can the Twins learn from the Rays? And so I just did a little research here. Over the last 10 seasons, 
So starting in starting in 2011, which in fairness to the Twins is a little bit of a cherry picked year to start with because they lost 99 games, but yes. but the last 10 seasons, the Rays have averaged 10 more regular season wins Ooh. per year than the Twins, and they've spent almost a half billion dollars less on team payroll over that stretch than the Twins have spent. I was wondering. That's good. You came up with the number on that because uh, you know the cheap twins uh, is, is the lingo around here, and uh, so they're spending fifty million more than the than the Rays are. But you you have not taken the Rays, you know, back to '08 when they went to the World Series. They they had three pretty good years right before that. So did the Twins, yep, you know, '08, '09, and '10. But and and I don't think. It's unfair to start in 2011 because, as you recall, the uh, the preseason lingo in Minnesota was, can we beat the Yankees in the postseason in 2011? And then they lost 99 games. So, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an astounding statistic. And, boy, would I like to analyze the race, but I don't know how in the hell they do it. Do you? Yeah. I mean, they, Mike they, Brosseau, they, who the hell is Mike Brosseau winning a game, winning a Rosarena, Pat, the, the guy that they got from the Cardinals has been fantastic. They but stole you see him. him and you, but you see him and you see ability, right? You see ability. They got guys that don't have ability to winning games for them. I mean, it's uh, Joey Wendell. Come on, give me a break. He can't be your everyday third baseman on a team that's got the best record in the American he League. He can scoop it. He's a, good, I was going to say, he's good at now, third base, man. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's yeah. astounding. But what do you think can be learned? Is uh, uh, Well, one thing that the Twins have duplicated is they go through 30 pitchers a year down there, even at a – you know, in, in this season, which is different, but before that, you know, I think a couple, of, I think in 19, they had like 34 pitchers. And here's the other thing. Don't worry that much about your closer, right? They've had, what, 13 guys have saves? Yeah, they have a bunch. In a 60-game season, they've had, uh, I think this, uh, you know, this Fairbanks kid, didn't have a save until the playoffs, and I think he was the 12th. Hey, Pat, do do you think the difference between the Twins and Rays starts with or is as simple as this? Your observation after the Astros knocked the Twins out, which is the Twins' act is to go to the plate and try and, and mash the baseball. And if they don't, they're in trouble. Because to your point, it does seem like the Rays have more athletic ability across the board, including in the field, than the Twins do. Yet they struck out more than the Twins did this year, which is phenomenal to me that they led the major leagues in strikeouts, or at least the American League in strikeouts. But they, it doesn't seem to be the same approach. It doesn't, they, they do have more speed. They got more guys that can run. They don't, I mean, they're not, you know, going out and stealing bases like crazy, but they, they do have, a, the whole lineup as a whole can run. The Twins have about two guys that can run and they got, they got, uh, you know, four or five or six of them, but they're, you know, they're, they're as goofy with their lineups as Rocco is. They're, they move guys all over and, you know, play. And you never know what the lineup's going to be, although they've been pretty stable here in the, in the playoffs. But uh, I'm out, you know, I, I don't think managed managers make more than three or four game difference. But I think with 
Tampa might be more than that because of the way they maneuver. They just they just maneuver uh, whatever whatever can win the next five minutes is what they, the way they play baseball. You know they're uh, they're just uh, they're just astounding. Yeah, uh, Pat. There are some guys in. Major League history, Kurt Schilling is one of them that very clearly elevate when they get to the postseason. You look at the numbers and some of the performances, uh, and then there's other guys that get maybe a bad rap that 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 have the perception of maybe melting in the postseason um, or or the other way, like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter put the same numbers up in the postseason as he did in the regular season, and he was just very good. But then there's guys like Clayton Kershaw, and it's and the narrative is true. His regular season ERA is 2.43 in his career, and his postseason ERA is 4.5, and, and, uh, and it hasn't been good this year either. He had the one good start in the in the wild card yeah. round. What do you make of it with Clayton I Kershaw? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it plays on his mind now, don't you? I, I, think, it's, you know, I, I think it shows that, you know, you guys, there aren't that many athletes who are invincible uh, between the years, and uh, even even when they look invincible on the mound and look like they have everything under control, uh, when pressure arrives, most ninety eight percent of them feel it, and he does. I, I, I there's no doubt in my mind that when he pitches in the postseason, he feels twice as much pressure. I mean, obviously, when you're pitching in the postseason, your pressure is upgraded. But I think his the pressure he feels is like doubled because of uh, the, the lack of success in the past. I just think he's I think he has doubts when he pitches in the postseason. I don't think he has any now. I don't think he has any doubts when he pitches in the regular season. I think doubt is uh, not a good thing for an athlete, and I think he has doubts. My my complaint about this World Series, Patrick Royce, is one thing. I do not find it pleasing to watch games from this new stadium in Texas. It looks like a warehouse. It looks way too big. It's really not, but it is not a. It, it's not pleasing to the eye to watch a game from that place. Uh, you know, I haven't had that issue. San Diego certainly has some ballpark. That was better. Baseball, yes, baseball in, but uh, I think it's a nice little bouquet to throw to Texas. Hey, you. You, you for some unknown reason built these guys a new stadium when they didn't need one. So uh, we'll uh, at least let you host the World Series, in which you know nobody. What? How many people we let in? There? No, they got you fans know? in there. Yeah, but I don't not, know. I mean, and I'm ten thousand or eight thousand. It's probably like yeah, that. somewhere 15. in there. But I don't. I don't have any problem with that. All I, right. You know, I don't care what it is. You know, Fenway. You know, I, I enjoy games. I like the geometry of Fenway, but uh, beyond that, I don't really care. But you know what? They, they're talking about how the ball isn't carrying in uh, Texas. We know why, right? The cement is not oh, settled. Not the, con- settled. the concrete's not settled. The concrete is still wet. And wait, a, wait about three years, that ball will be zooming. <laughs> you got to call up Fox and tell them why. <laughs> but what is going to be different about Texas, seriously, is... The heat, you know, this place is going to have a rough, and it's going to be air-conditioned. And the ball that used to turn into a golf ball when it was 105 degrees all summer will not carry like it. It's not going to carry like it did across the street just because you're out inside instead of outside in the summer. 
And the reason they put a roof on it is for that reason, because uh, 112 degrees has a tendency to reduce your crowd. <laughs> so uh, that, that's why they do it. The ball will never carry in Texas like it did when it was outside. Yeah. Uh, Pat, what would you recommend the Vikings do on their bye week? <laughs> uh, uh, well, if I was him, I'd go back to the ranch and tell my new friend to meet me. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's a new friend. I think that friend's been around for a year yeah, plus. I, I heard that report. Uh, the TV crew was down there last year, and that young lady was around. Congratulations to him. But uh, uh, I don't know. I I heard Zim's rambling Zoom call yesterday, and uh, he is rattled. Don't you? Did you listen in, Jed? I did not. I did not catch he, it. He is rattled. He is. Uh, Does he not know he what to do at this point? No, no. He's trying to act like he's. He is, but you just there's an undertone of uh, of shock that they are this rotten, and uh, yeah. and and I don't think that uh, you know the, the 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 regression that the that the quarterback made and the offense made on uh, Sunday. Uh, because he knows his defense is here's the thing. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. We got a young defense, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and we always say, "Well, they got a young defense." Well, the fact that they stink now, right? There's no guarantee that Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney and these guys are going to be the answer. A lot of times, when you're young and stink, and stink, it's because the guys you got aren't ever going to get good, right? They're not, I don't know if these, these guys might get good someday, but this presumption that they're going to get good is uh, when they're this bad right now is, is nonsense. And it, it might be by the time those two guys get good, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris will be, you know, off the chart. So uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's uh, you know, who knows? You made 15 draft choices this year moron that you were you've got all these seventh rounders <laughs> instead of you know going and getting Trent Williams and signing him and getting yourself a left tackle and then you could move reef to guard and then you'd be uh okay but uh he was uh you had to be this Spielman's ego had to get in the way oh what a draft nobody's ever had so many drafts <laughs> you know eight of those guys are the equivalent of undrafted free agents they're UFAs <laughs> and it, it was, it's moronic. Give me. Look at you throwing football terms out. Give me three difference makers, and you can have all these putzes that you're drafted in the sixth and seventh round. No, Either who's going to who's going to fill out your punt coverage team? That's yeah, you right. don't have Dan Chisna, the fastest white guy of all time. Yeah, I, they have done some amazing things out there, man. Number one, giving Cousins the extension. Number two. Be in such a hurry to give Zim and Spielman three yeah. years apiece. You know, whatever happened to the old one-year extension? Let's see what happens here, you know. What are those two guys going to do? You know, do you think they got guys at their door begging them to come and coach me or something like that? You know, it's not, uh, I don't know. It's uh, Spielman was, uh, to me, he was an idiot in this draft that he got all this credit for. Oh, he got an A-minus or an A-plus. No, he didn't. He had a bunch of nobodies that he drafted who aren't going to do it. So you're saying it's a mess. 
is what you're saying. I don't know. We're going to see Cleveland on Sunday, though, I would guess. Huh? He's going to be the left guard. They're off on Sunday. Oh, that's right. I mean, a week the next week. When they, when they come back, when they come back, right? Because uh, uh, who's the guy that got hurt? Some Samia or something? He, he didn't yeah. play against the Falcons. Alfline could be ready at some point, but. Oh, I mean, goody. Okay. Oh, I can't wait till Pat Alfline's yeah. back out there. Yeah, was, yeah. When are we going to get Cleveland? He so played on Sunday. He did play. Yeah, oh, he played right guard on Sunday. Started. Oh, man. I was so busy watching Cle- uh, Cousins throw interceptions, I didn't notice so. Yeah, God, it, it, I, it didn't. It didn't make much of a difference. So, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm just really upset that they didn't have a crowd in there to give Kirk the greeting he deserved. Man, that that walk to that walk to the locker room at halftime would have been oh, what, oh man, epic. Are you so kidding? Funny. He would have been booed back onto the field too after halftime. Oh, Fox's TV broadcast piped a little bit of booing in, just a little bit. But I don't. I'm going to guess they didn't do that in the stadium. <laughs> oh, really? Did they really? A little bit. Yeah, yep. they they pipe it in. Yep. I, but not I into the stadium. The, Feels right. I didn't have the volume on because there was no crowd to hear the booing, so uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't listen to it. So. Yep. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, yeah, it is. That, that's the that's the poor that's the bad thing about it. Sid had to die. I wish it hadn't done this week. You know, I wish it would have been next week on the off day because the Vikings have not gotten proper, uh, you know, credit for Sunday's performance here. That might have been part of Sid's <laughs> master plan, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, Adam Thielen assured us in Sid's final column everything was going to be fine, okay? Uh, yeah, he went down homering, that's for sure. He hit a homer again on his uh, last ever column. Was, uh, just a big... Sid's version of a homer and, and a ball that leaves the park are two different things. <laughs> All right, Pat, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, Royce. See you, goodbye. All right, that's that's Patrick Royce. Now, he's now he's now the godfather. Yeah, He's now, now the, the elder statesman of, uh, that's exactly right, at 75. At a spry 75. He's got a lot of time left. I was, actually, I should probably tell Pat, listen, Bob Gibson, Whitey Ford, Sid Hartman, Pat, just hang on. Hang on for a little while, all right? We need you around for do. a few more years here. So, all right, we'll talk to Pat again tomorrow, and we've got Write That Down <laughs> predictions also tomorrow and an accountability session. And don't forget about our daily Vikings discussions on the Purple Daily Podcast. See you guys.